I uh, would ask this evening that you give me just a little bit of grace. It's been well over a year since I've spoken anywhere, and uh, hopefully it will not be too painful. <laughs> um, and actually, on that topic, um, tonight I would, I would like to speak on a subject that I know none of us are probably very fond of. Um, I know I'm certainly not, but alas, uh, it's one that we uh, need to be aware of and uh, know that we can have victory over. Amen. So for just a little bit this evening, I would like to talk about pain and suffering. Pain and suffering. Uh, I, I know that most of us probably just got off work and you're, you're thinking, haven't we suffered enough today? <laughs> yes, I suffered too, folks. <laughs> but hopefully we will take some encouragement away this evening. We'll turn your attention, amen, to the book of 1 Peter uh, chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 3. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 14, Peter wrote these words, If you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. Or another translation uh, interprets that as being blessed. If you suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And be not afraid for the terror, neither be troubled. Verse 17, For it is better if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. That's you and me. We're the unjust. He was the just one, Jesus Christ. And he suffered for us that he might bring us to God. Hallelujah. Give thanks for that tonight. That he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. First uh, Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange. Concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice, inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may also be glad, that ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Verse 16, yet if, if any man suffer, if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Let him glorify God on this behalf. Pain and suffering is, are terms perhaps that we uh, in everyday life use a little bit flippantly. If I'm honest, we might say things like traffic was a pain. Uh, if any of you have sat through traffic, you would, you would understand what I'm talking about. Uh, if, you, if you've ever left a, a work training event, I would venture a guess that you've probably endured some suffering that day. Um, and from a young age, from the youngest among us, amen, to, to the eldest uh, elder, uh, everyone is familiar with pain. Uh, I will admit to you tonight that uh, my best and worst childhood memories involve bicycles. Um, one time, my neighbor asked me to run an errand for her, and in so doing, she was going to let me use one of their bikes, which was a pretty cool thing because, you know, you got to drive a new bike and that is exciting when you're 11, 12, 13 years old. So I went and made the errand for, for my neighbor, and then on the way home I discovered that if you stuck your foot between the 
tire in the front fork that you could get the rear wheel to come up off the ground. And that was equally exciting to me at the time. So I did that three or four times and was very successful um, at my endeavor. And uh, nothing ill happened. And then I just had to seal the deal and do it right. Just one more time and do it real good the last time. And so I jammed my foot in there real good. And that bicycle went end over end over end. And it was a very painful experience, folks. Very painful experience. Uh, another time, I was out riding uh, my bike. I lived way out in the country. The only pavement was on the road. Uh, there were no paved driveways. And uh, so the go-to place to ride your bike after a certain age was to go out on the road. And so my dad, it was a nice spring evening, summer evening, and my dad was mowing the lawn, and uh, I was just riding up and down the street, up and down the road, as my dad was mowing the lawn. And uh, at one point, he told me that I should go home because of the mower and not being able to hear traffic coming. And traffic would have been traveling at a pretty good clip, uh, let's say 55, 60 miles an hour uh, down, our, down our back road that we lived on. And so... Uh, as a good young man, I did as my father said, and immediately pulled a Yui to head back home, not realizing that there was a car there, and uh, uh, I got hit by a car. The, the tail end of my bike got caught the bumper, and I flipped me off, and I couldn't sit down for a long, long time. It was very painful, very, very painful experience, even into adulthood. Uh, we were over uh, at uh, a Raising Canes in, in Tri-County area, and I was putting one of my children into the vehicle, and um, the, the curb was up quite high, and I didn't realize how high it was, but it was awkward. I was above the vehicle and trying to get them in. So I stepped one leg down and one leg up on the curb still, failing to realize that it was probably about twice as far as what it normally would be if it wasn't for the manhole that was there, uh, you know, getting rid of rainwater. And so I stepped down, and this leg, the leg that was up on the upper part, went twice as far as it was supposed to and rammed square into the corner of the door, and it hurt so bad. In fact, I still have a knot on my knee to this day from that blessed encounter at Raising Cane's. Uh, even yet this year, uh, during the wintertime, Lord, it's, it's, it's tough getting old, I want to tell you. Um, one evening, I have a custom that, uh, you know, in the evenings, sometimes I wake up. Most nights I sleep through, but uh, if I wake up, it's customary to go downstairs and get something sweet to eat, right? That's what I do anyway. So it was one such blessed evening, and uh, I had woken up in the middle of the night and uh, made my way downstairs. And uh, at our house, there's probably, I don't know, 10 or 12 steps, and then there's a landing, and then there's three steps. I navigated successfully all the way down the 12 stairs. I got to the landing and started down the last three. Victory was in sight, folks. I was down to the last three stairs. And the first step was fine, and I took the second step. And I promise you, there was ice on the second step. There had to have been. There's no other explanation for what happened next. And uh, I lost all my uh, capacity to, to remain upright and fell square on my back and my arm. And uh, I mean to tell you, uh, my wife happened to be up with a baby at the time. And she thought it was either me falling or a robber. And luckily it was me that was falling. 
And uh, I, had a, I had a bruise on my back about the size of a cantaloupe. And uh, all up and down my arm was black and blue. And uh, yeah, so pain. Pain is something we're all familiar with, something that we all have some acquaintance with. And if, if I'm real honest, and I know that nobody wants to admit this, but if I'm real honest, sometimes pain can be funny. Pain, well, other, let me rephrase that. Sometimes other people's pain can be funny. Um, this this uh, morning, Desiree was, <laughs> she was getting ready to leave to go to a dentist appointment, and uh, God bless our, our youngest. He has about six teeth now, and uh, <laughs> she was holding him up close to her chest, and he took a, ch- <laughs> he took a chunk out of her. He bit her, <laughs> and... Uh, she yelled, <laughs> and he cried, and deep down on the inside, I giggled because I didn't want to get in trouble, but it was funny. I want you to know. <laughs> uh, on another occasion, about 10 years ago, uh, some of you will, will have familiarity with this, but it's nobody that we know personally, uh, I saw a video of a preacher, and uh, this preacher was using a basketball as an object lesson. See, somebody's already laughing. They know where I'm going. Uh, and this particular church had a, quite a big area where the pulpit was kind of out in front of the, the, the back part of, of everything. And there was space in front of it where you could walk out front, you know, for preachers to make their point and get in people's faces and all that good stuff. So he, <laughs> he had this basketball, and he decided he was going to make a trip out front of the pulpit um, in order to, in order to, um, make this this point that he was going to, I don't remember the point, I'll be honest, I don't remember what the point was, but he made it all the way out front successfully, and the basketball was down uh, on the pulpit in front of him, and he put his foot up on the basketball, for some reason I don't recall. The basketball went, and so did he, and somehow, some way, he took a header into the platform, broke his collarbone, and ended up on the floor before, <laughs> before the altar. Uh, I'm sure it was super painful, and Lord forgive me for laughing, but I want you to know that I almost lost all control of my faculties when I saw this man take a header into, into the pulpit, uh, into the altar area. Uh, anyway, he's fine. He, he made it out okay, and uh, is no worse for wear uh, to this day. Uh, but but it, was just a, it was a funny thing to observe. Uh, the Bible is no exception. Um, I, I'm really, truly convinced that God has a sense of humor. Um, in 1 Samuel chapter 4, uh, we won't read it uh, verse by verse, but I'll just summarize what happened. There was a fierce war that was happening. One of those ones that we all uh, have heard of probably as a child, uh, Israelites versus the Philistines. And uh, there was, seemed to be always battles going on in the Old Testament between these two. So this uh, chapter opens, and uh, we find out that uh, at first the Philistines kill about 4,000 Israelites. And uh, in an effort to counter this and to encourage the troops, the Israelites bring the Ark of the Covenant into battle. And um, ultimately were not successful in their attempt to counter uh, what the Philistines did. And they came back and ultimately killed uh, 30,000 Israelites, including uh, the priest Eli, uh, his sons, Hophni and Phinehas. 
and uh, they captured the Ark of the Covenant. Word uh, got back to Eli uh, of the Ark, his fate being taken by the Philistines and the fate of his sons. And uh, in the great stress and anticipation of what was happening, uh, and then learning on top of that that his sons were killed, uh, he fell back on his chair, and the Bible records that he breaks his neck and dies. Uh, his pregnant daughter-in-law learns next of this fate, learns that her husband has died, learned that his fa her father-in-law has died. Uh, she goes into premature labor, uh, has a child, but due to the extreme, la extreme stress, ultimately passes away herself. Uh, and the ark is taken away uh, by the Philistines into uh, the city of Ashdod. This was a place where there was a house of worship for their pagan god, Dagon. And uh, they returned the next morning after this grand uh, victorious uh, victory that they had won over the Israelites. And uh, to learn that, that they had, when they placed the Ark of the Covenant uh, into the house of Dagon, the very next morning when they went in, Dagon had mysteriously falling uh, down on his face before the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, they stand him back up. The next day rolls around. They come back. And uh, not only this time has Dagon fallen, but this time his heart uh, or his hands and his head are cut off. And now there is only a stump left. Um, as a punishment for this, this is where the funny part comes in, to me anyway. Uh, as a punishment for taking the ark, the Lord afflicts the people of Ashdod with what the Bible describes as emeralds in their secret place, in their secret parts. Uh, I, I will spare you the gory details, uh, but suffice it to say, it was a pain in the behind. Uh, Ashdod, of course, wanted no part of this. Not interested. Don't sign me up. This is not good. So they decide they're going to send to the ark to Gath, uh, which was another uh, Philistine city. And uh, they had no idea what they were in for. There's no record of anyone consulting anyone in Gath. Ashdod just made the executive decision that they were going to send the ark to Gath. And so they start to have uh, the same affliction. And it wasn't long that Gath was done with the ark and they were going to send the ark to Ekron. Uh, and Ekron got wise to the fact that the ark was coming their way. And they said, no thanks, we don't want any part uh, of the ark coming to Ekron. You guys go ahead and keep it. But just the very mention of it being sent to Ekron caused them likewise to uh, be uh, touched with this affliction. And I mean to tell you, it was spreading faster than Rona in 2020. Uh, it, it was everywhere. And I'm sorry, but I don't know. I just find that funny that the Lord would, would issue a pain in the behind as an affliction for, for something that they had done against the children of Israel. Uh, you know, the Lord also, the Bible says that the Lord works in mysterious ways. And I don't know, that's pretty mysterious to me. Uh, but God always takes care of his enemies and always takes care of his children. These were some lighthearted examples, but you all know what I'm talking about. For every funny story that we might have related to pain and or suffering, there are a hundred or a thousand other ones that are not humorous at all. Um, if I were to say Bengals, you would immediately associate your fan of them, you being a fan of them, as having suffered. Is that fair? Suffered a long time. Suffered a long time. If I were to say something like root canal, 
I would be able to raise my hand and tell you that's not something that you want to have in your life. You do not want to have a root canal in your life. If I were to say childbirth, all the mothers here would identify with the pain that is associated with that, and they would understand. They would have a commonality of experience in that. If I were to say something like kidney stone, uh, there are many among us who would say that's not a good thing. You don't want no part of a kidney stone. Uh, if you've ever watched a loved one lose their battle with a dreaded disease like cancer, like I have, then you know what suffering looks like. You know what pain and anguish uh, is in the flesh. And I could name a dozen more afflictions or diseases, uh, but I will spare you that. You get the picture. The truth is this. Pain and suffering is a language that everyone speaks. Pain and suffering is a language that everyone speaks. None of us want to, but alas, life has caused us to have a fluency with pain and suffering that we probably would rather not have. None of us want it, but here it is. It's one of those common things throughout humanity that touches everyone. You can try your best to avoid it, but eventually it's going to appear at your doorstep. No one is immune from the richest to the poorest. Pain and suffering is no respecter of person. Pain gets my attention. Pain demands action. And it will cause you to go to extreme lengths to alleviate it. The author C.S. Lewis, after having a very tough life and suffering, intense pain and suffering uh, in his own life, said this, Pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And my question to you tonight is this. What if in my season of pain and suffering, God is trying to get my attention? What is God trying to say to me? What is God trying to reveal in me that was not there before this uncomfortable season appeared on my doorstep? But most important of all, will I listen to what God is trying to say to me? Pain is a teacher. You only touch a hot stove once on purpose. And then after that, you avoid getting your flesh close to that heat at all cost. After that, you know that pain is associated with touching that thing. And if I'm uncomfortably honest tonight, I will admit to you that I have learned my most valuable lessons in life not through seasons of blessing, although those are wonderful, and I desire those above anything else, but I have learned my most critical life lessons through seasons of pain and through suffering. Pain and suffering will cause the atheist and the saint alike to cry out and ask for help. Some are here tonight, and maybe your season right now is pain and suffering. And maybe other folks here tonight, your season has, has passed that stage and you're beyond this moment of, season, this moment of pain and suffering. Amen. But, but we all can get there. We all can make it over. And I'm not sure in your individual case what God is trying to teach you or what he is trying to teach me in my season of pain and in my season of suffering. Perhaps patience, perhaps 
a fresh perspective, perhaps uh, having some commonality of experience with someone that we might not otherwise have anything in common with. But I do know this, that if I will seek him in my season of pain and suffering, if I will cry out to him, amen, when I am hurting and when I am down, amen, he will answer. He will answer, hallelujah. Blessed be the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul wrote to the church in Rome and he said, that all things work together for good to them that love God and to those that are the called according to his purpose. And if that is true, and if I believe the Bible to be the word of God, then I must believe, however difficult it is, that this season of pain and suffering, amen, is working something bigger in me than what I can understand while I'm going through it. Pain doesn't always take on the form of a physical manifestation of a deformity, of a wound, of a disease that is diagnosed upon you. Sometimes pain and suffering is sourced in the invisible places of our mind, places where no one else can see, places where uh, hurtful words run rampant, places where uh, you, you just stew on things and, and, and dream up perhaps problems that, that don't exist, but you infer all kinds of things about a situation that may have been uncomfortable for you. And alas, even though, even though it might not be visible to the naked eye, that pain that we face in our mind is equally debilitating. It's equally debilitating. Earlier in the book of 1 Samuel, we're introduced to a lady by the name of Hannah. And uh, I was going to summarize this, and, and perhaps I will regret not having done that. But, but there was just something about the language described in the King James Version that, that would be lost if I summarized Hannah's uh, experience. First Samuel, so bear with me if you will. First Samuel chapter 1. Now there was a certain man whose name was Elkanah, the son of Jer Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, an Ephratite. And he had two wives. One was Hannah, and the other was Penina. Penina had children. The Bible says Hannah had no children. And this man, Elkanah, went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord, where the, hosts, the Lord of hosts in Shiloh, uh, moving on, verse 4. He gave Penina his wife and to all her sons and daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, the Bible says. For he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. Verse 7. And as he did, so year by year, this had been going on for a long time, pain and suffering that Hannah was dealing with, uh, going through this uh, period of barrenness in her body where she could not bear a child. Uh, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she, that is Penina, provoked her. Therefore, Hannah wept sore and did not eat. Then said Elkanah, her husband, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am I not better to thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh. 
Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat uh, by the post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but wilt give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of my life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. Verse 12, And it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard therefore. She was in such a state, amen, we've all been there, we were in such a state, she was in such a state that words, she couldn't even utter the words from the pain and the heartache that she was facing in her life. No, no, it wasn't a disease. No, it wasn't cancer. No, it wasn't diabetes. No, it wasn't some other awful affliction to come upon her uh, that, that would ultimately take her life that was some kind of terminal disease. But nevertheless, it was pain and it was suffering for Hannah to have to deal with this barrenness in her body. Now Hannah spake in her heart, only her lips moved, and her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said to her, how long wilt thou be drunk? Put away thy wine from thee. And he answered and said, no, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Verse 17, then Eli answered and said, go in peace. And the Lord God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So that woman, so the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. Verse 20, wherefore it came to pass when the time was come, about after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son, despite years and years of being barren, despite years and years of dealing, amen, with this affliction and this pain and this torment from from the, the other wife that Elkanah had in that day. And she called this son Samuel because she had asked him of the Lord. Amen. We face pain all around us. Pain that folks uh, disclose. Pain that, that perhaps a doctor can prescribe a pill for. And perhaps it's pain that no one sees way down deep on the inside. Way down deep on the inside where no one knows uh, you know, uh, perhaps your experience is, is identical to what Hannah's is. Uh, if you're a lady here tonight and you, you wanted to bear a child and you were not able to, uh, it is a painful experience. I have witnessed, amen, several uh, ladies that have uh, had that inability, and it was very painful for them. It was a very, very hard thing for them to go through. And uh, nevertheless, despite it, it not being something terminal in their body, it was real to them, and the expression amen, was as deep and as debilitating as if she had just been diagnosed with some kind of terminal disease. And so it is in the life of the child of God that we have to go through things. Pain is real. Pain is real, no matter if it's emotional or no matter if it's some physical ailment that happened to you. Uh, we, could, we could give many examples. The Bible is replete with examples of individuals that suffered. We could talk about Joseph. Joseph suffered hard and long uh, in emotional pain being rejected by his brothers and sold into slavery. We could talk about the ten plagues that God imposed upon Egypt and all of the, the, the struggle and difficulty that that proposed to them uh, as their 
uh, answer for not letting the children of Israel go. We could talk about Job and, 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 and all of the, the difficulty that he faced. This oldest book of the Bible that was written uh, and how he went from riches to rags overnight, lost his fortune, lost his family, lost everything and suffered tremendously. But I would, I would rather focus our attention for a moment tonight on Jesus Christ because there's no discussion about pain or suffering that would be complete unless we talked about Jesus. And I would contend this evening that you are never closer to an experience like Jesus had than when you are in the throes of pain and in suffering. You don't want it. You don't want to be there. We only want the victory. We only want the shout. We only want the run. Amen. But oftentimes, the path to get to that point in our life is through seasons of pain and through seasons of suffering. Isaiah introduces Jesus this way. Bible I was looking at titles this chapter, The Suffering Servant. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 3. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet, even though he did that for us, we did not esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. You and I, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And it was by his stripes that I could have healing. It was via a season, intense season, of pain and suffering. And, and, and as if the pain and suffering wasn't bad enough in and of itself and what he had to go through, he also took upon himself my problems, my issues, my, my uh, ways that I didn't do what I was supposed to do. And he did that willingly for me. He did that willingly for me. Continues on and says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shearer is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. He accepted what was coming to him. He accepted what I did to him. He accepted what we all could not do for ourselves. Amen. And take upon it that sin. Amen. So that we might have an experience better than what we would have absent his sacrifice. Verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. What a statement. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put on him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied, and his knowledge shall uh, my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities, glory to God. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. 
because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. He bare the sin of many, including you and I, and made intercession for transgressors. He did that for me. He did that for you. He was an upright man. He was perfect in every way. He only wanted to help. He only wanted to bring good on the earth. And those closest to him would reject him. They would deny him. Uh, even though they would do that, he invited them in any way. He invited him to be part of that number. He suffered rejection. And he continues to be rejected to this day. He was misunderstood. He was discounted by the religious elite and those that should have been in the best position to recognize who exactly he was. He endured suffering and shame. And as if all of that wasn't bad enough, he went to Calvary. He was beaten. He was bruised. He was sentenced to the worst possible death. Calvary was set up expressly as an example to everyone that if you did wrong, there was coming a punishment that you did not want to be part of, that there would be no hope of escape from. Crucifixion was expressly designed to inflict pain and cause the victim to suffer. And he went through that when he knew what I was going to do, when he knew how I was going to reject him, when he knew, amen, the ways that I would let him down. And he did that for me. But I'm here to tell you tonight, out of the most intense season of pain and suffering, out of the darkest day that history ever recorded, came the most glorious event that we could ever hope to have happen in our life in this day. God turned all of that around some way, somehow. It's beyond my comprehension, but he turned it around and he turned it for good, and he made it all right, and he turned suffering into victory, amen, and he turned everything around so that I could be, amen, in a better place than where I would have been had it not been for his sacrifice. Are you thankful for it tonight? Amen. Give him a praise. Hallelujah in the house. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Acts 2, 23 and 24 says it this way, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. Amen. Someone tonight, you're going through a season of pain and in suffering. And I'm here to tell you that if Jesus Christ can take that season of pain and suffering, if he can turn it around and do for good for millions like he did for millions, he can take your situation and he can turn it around. Hallelujah. He can take your pain, he can take your suffering, and he can do something beautiful with it. I can't explain the process. I don't know how it will bring it to pass, but I just know that he can do it. I just know that he can do it. We rejoice. We rejoice in the God of our salvation. And we should rejoice. We should be grateful. We should give him the praise. And we should give him the honor. But never forget that that victory was won. And it came through, amen, the guise of pain and suffering. Amen. If the musicians could come. If you want to be like Jesus, and we all likely have said at some point in time, 
throughout the course of our days that we want to be like Jesus, that we want to follow him, that we want to be like him, then we're going to have to go through things that we might not enjoy. We're going to have to go through things that we wish we had never had cross our doorstep. But I've come with good news tonight. The Lord will not put more on you than what you can bear. Hallelujah. He will not put more on you than what you can bear. Hallelujah. Can we give him thanks tonight? Hallelujah. Let's all stand in the house of the Lord this evening. Thanks be to God. For it is better, Peter wrote, if the will of God be so that you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. For Christ also once suffered for sins. He didn't have to do that. We were not worthy. There is no good thing I could ever have done to be worthy of what he did for me. But he went willingly and suffered just one time. Once was enough. Once was enough for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though you had some strange thing happen to you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad with exceeding joy. Hallelujah. If any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Amen. As I look out over the congregation tonight, I don't know a lot of your stories, but I do know some of your stories. I know that some of you have endured a lot of pain, a lot of heartache, but I also know that I look out tonight and I see you out there. God never left you. God never cast you aside. And if there is some here tonight that are still in their season of suffering and pain, if he did it for them, I guarantee they're no more special than you are. Amen. If he did it for them, he can do it for you. If he saw them through all of their struggles and all their pains and, and despite the fact of how, how bad and wretched they had been, guess what? He can do it for me. He's willing to do that for me. Hallelujah. He's willing to do that for me. I'm here to remind someone to hold on. Hold on. You're going to make it through this season of pain and suffering. I stand as a witness before you tonight that you can make it through Hey, this season of pain and suffering. I mean, these altars are open. I know this has not been a running and shouting kind of a message. Amen. But it's true. It's true. If you want to be like Jesus, you're going to have to suffer just like you're going to be able to run in victory. Hallelujah. In fact, your victory is going to be more meaningful if you go through some suffering. Amen. Hallelujah. I would invite you to come tonight if you would like to. There's a victory that's available tonight. There's a victory over your situation. Amen. There is provision over your need. Hallelujah. Amen. There is provision over a marriage, Lord, that might seem broken. Amen. Hallelujah. There is a way of escape. Praise the Lord. If we would cry out to him. Hallelujah. Amen. Go ahead, Brother, brother Voles. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We bless your name tonight. Hallelujah. We give you thanks, Lord, for the great example that was set before us at Calvary. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, that it doesn't have to end. Amen. On a sour note. Amen. Filled and replete with pain and with suffering. But we can rise in victory tonight. Just like you rose. Amen. In victory over death, hell, and the grave. Hallelujah. It could not hold you down. It could not hold you back. Hallelujah. And we give you thanks for it. We give you praise and honor and glory tonight because of what you have done on our behalf. Hallelujah. 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 Can we lift our hands and worship him. Give him thanks for what he's done. Hallelujah. It might look hopeless tonight. Amen. But the Bible says joy. Joy comes in the morning. Hallelujah. Joy comes in the morning. The Bible says troubles don't last always. Hallelujah. You can make it through. You can see it through. Hallelujah. You can press on into your season of victory. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. His strength is perfect. Hallelujah. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 